Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is all of it from WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart, the one-time Brooklynite, now Asheville, North Carolina-based musician, Halado Negro, is known for his deeply considered and atmospheric music. He'll be back in New York City soon, though, at Webster Hall on April 24th in support of his new album, Phaser. It features tracks both in Spanish and English, telling stories of real people as well as meditations on nature and memory. Phaser will be out this Friday, but we're going to get a little bit of a preview. Halado Negro joins me live from Studio 5. Welcome back to all of it. Thanks for having me. We're going to hear a performance first. What are we going to hear? We're going to hear a song called Colores del Mar, which means colors of the sea. This is Gelato Negro.
was Halado Negro with Colores de Mar. Uh, before we go any further, will you introduce our audience, our radio audience, to everybody in the room? Yeah, for sure. On drums is Jason Nazari, on bass and guitar, and multi-instrumentalist extraordinaire, Andy Andrew Stack, and on piano today's and vo- voice is Opal Hoy, and I'm me, Roberto Carlos Lange. <laughs> Roberto, if you go on the Lado Negro uh, social media, you are always um, sharing your influences. You're very open about your inspirations. Why do you want to share that with folks? It's fun. It's like the thing (laughs) I really enjoy doing. I think one of the like I think that comes from like a place of of um, I I'm curious and I find when I find things that I love, it's like why not. Mm-hmm. want other people to love it i mean not forcefully but you're just like so excited about things i think i get excited about yeah especially music you know i like i think the thing i like doing the most is sharing music with friends and it's like i find those friends that we do that a lot and so we're just like going back and forth it's like this exhausting session of just like we're just like <laughs> oh my god but check this out you know check this out so i think that's like it's it's invigorating so many fans of yours who are New Yorkers and who listen to WMIC know you used to be based in Brooklyn, now in Asheville. Uh, why the move? As all New Yorkers want to know, why'd you yeah. go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, it was it was a good timing for, mm-hmm. for for me and my partner. It was it was a it was a perfect time for us to go and, and see what's what's new and possible. I think the thing that always happens is you get comfortable and it's harder to move as you get older and you're just like, why would I move? Mm-hmm. And I was, and we realized that the sec- the day we like put our stuff in this new place, we're like, what did we just do? <laughs> and uh, and that's really hard. Um, but it's also exciting the challenge of like knowing that you can do this. And I think it's reassuring to know that you can. It's not. It's change in the mm-hmm. sense that you're like embracing something that you 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 weren't sure you could do. Yeah. Would did did the move change your songwriting process at all? I think I've been writing the same song forever, but I think what it did was give me um, the ability to have this. I've, I think I've always had a lot of focus on creating and finishing songs, but I mm. think the focus was kind of um, put under a different lens in terms of like it wasn't this um, this ambient stress behind me. I think in New York I, I had a, like like a lot of these these very intense um, mm-hmm. feelings when I'm like trying to make something or be productive per se. But um, while I was like focusing on this record, I was able to use that process and realign it with now this other kind of like feeling of like expansiveness and also mm-hmm. having space, like literal space and some brain space and body space. Halado Negro's new album is called Phaser. It will be out this Friday. A reminder, they're playing Webster Hall on April 24th. So in the press notes for the album, you said that the bedrock for this album came in 2019 when you interacted with this machine. Um, the Salmar construction machine thought to be like the first composing machine ever. First of all, how was that explanation? Not great. I could use you a little bit better. Could you please explain to folks what it is and how you interacted with it? Yeah, I know it's hard because it's kind of like one of these like really technical things. But it's also, I think that was the whole idea was like something super technical behind the the hood Mm -hmm. conceptually but then uh, the application was like really fun and and it was invented by this guy Salvatore Martorano it's living in um, the D'Souza archives in Champaign, Illinois and the archivist Scott Schwartz who I'd been in contact with since 2015 I finally got a chance to visit it in 2019 and I got to record it and Mm. it's like this generative synthesizer at the time it's easy to find something like that now that's like that happens. You can buy a machine now and mm-hmm. it does these things. But then it was kind of just 
brilliant and fun and interesting to see a composer and educator be able to like apply his idea and someone's like we have the supercomputer he's like i want to make this machine that makes weird sounds and they're like sure and mm-hmm. that it seems very not common then to have those resources and so it made wild sounds and i was able to use it in my recordings kind of revisit those recordings and be, use them as like textures and loops and and use them as fodder and but also influence but then I, I, part of the arrangements of the music as well go google it yeah. It's, it's really cool to look at, by the way. Let's. Uh, I'd love to hear another performance. Uh, I have in my list here, I Just Want to Wake Up With You. Is the title self-explanatory? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think it is. I think, you know, it can be as literal as you want, but it's also like, can also be like, you want to wake up with yourself. You're like, I feel good about myself. I wake up and I'm like, I just want to wake up with that that feeling that I woke mm-hmm. up the other day. Like, I just, I want that day again, you know? And I think that's like, kind of like, Looking forward to that more than anything. Here's Halada Negro.
That was Helado Negro performing live from Studio 5 here at WNYC. We got an unsolicited text that says, great music. I hear echoes of the Brazilian Tropicalissimo movement. Cool. Cool. Just thought I'd share that. Uh, there's a, I, I, I sound like I was Googling through the entire listening to the album, and I kind of was because I, I loved reading about Lupe Lopez. Yeah. There's a song called LFO, which stands for Lupe Finds Oliveros. And so Ol- Paulina Oliveros was a composer, correct? Yeah. And Lupe Lopez. An educator, philosopher, okay. et cetera. And Lupe Lopez was someone who helped make Fender guitars? Yeah, apparently. I don't know anything about her. So, you know. I just found this photograph online while I was like mm-hmm. Googling, looking for an amp and I, that I used to use. And I was like, do I want to buy a new one? Do I want to buy an old one? Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. And then this photo was just so striking to me. It was this black and white photo. And in the caption, it says, Lupe Lopez, uh, building Fender Champ amps at the Fender you know, shop mm-hmm. in 1950. And I was like, cool, weird, awesome. You know, and then in the forum, it was there was like a lot of collectors and people who were like fans and the, the, how they knew these amps so essentially there's a market for her amps but then there's collectors because there's a distinct tone that mm-hmm. she created through these amps this design that already existed a bunch of people already made these amps i'm sure as well that worked with her but um but i just found it so interesting that they they loved it and the, the how they knew that she made the amp was that she wrote her name lupe on the inside i think it was like a quality control mm-hmm. thing so i'm sure there's other amps out there with other people's names on there but it was just like so distinct and her sound was so um i guess the sound that she was able to do that with her care and touch mm-hmm. and talent she was able to make something different out of this design that was already created and people are really obsessed with it having one yeah i think there's like a niche you know i don't think it's like worldwide but i think there's like yeah. a niche you know it's cool to see when people are into something and just be excited about it and it makes me very excited to see that someone can be so um appreciative of someone's work you know this like just doing something that they were doing out of necessity like i'm sure it was her job but she cared about it it was cool she mm-hmm. came in and she did it and she wasn't trying to like she wasn't like i'm gonna make the best amp in the world she was like i'm just gonna do the best job i can today what was interesting about having lupe meet pauline i think what i was trying to do was like there was this connection what i was saying before about like focusing on mm-hmm. these things that you can do not trying to do everything but just one thing you can do and i think that was the thing that Pauline was talking about with deep listening, this like philosophy that she developed mm-hmm. about not just listening to like music or but like deeper listening to the world around you and yourself and having this connection that can kind of center you, that makes you feel connected. And I think I was connecting this like this deep attention that seems like Lupe was doing and it by putting this deep attention and creating this, she was able to harness this sound, this specific sound that people appreciated over time from like the 1950s till now. Mm. And I and I feel like that's like a great example of this this idea of like deep listening. Everybody was like appreciating the work, the simple, you know, task of doing this one thing as as well as you can do it, and and knowing that it was good, it was gratifying for you, and, and you never know the impact that'll have mm-hmm. over time with more people. It's interesting. I'm I'm nodding because you're talking about deep listening, and for folks who don't know, you were a foley artist. Yeah. So you're very aware of sound and and how people listen and what things sound like. What from your work as a foley artist has helped your work as a musician? So many things. I used to work with my friend Jay, and and we used to like trade off. He would do the foley, and it's, there's just so many things. Like when the thing you you're looking at when you're looking at the screen, you're like paying attention to all the textures of like the fabric that people are wearing, the shoes, you know. So sometimes. You're thinking about like, well, if there's a scene with somebody wearing heels, then you got to put heels on. 
And then, like, you would get, like, some short shorts on, and you would go inside the Foley room, and you would have to, like... <laughs> Totter around. And you, like, like, whoever's walking with some heels on. And, and that was a thing. And it was really funny, because we would be, you know, either of us would be staring at somebody, you know, doing that, like, in heels, you know. <laughs> so I think that... It was funny in the sense that it's just, like, something we're not, like, doing or used to. So, But mm-hmm. it, in the sense it was, like, the artistry of it was, like, learning how to... Um, distribute weight and like understanding what that means from like walking on pavement to cement to rugs to carpet um and that is like deconstructing life in itself when you're watching humans like Mm -hmm. go about what they're doing it's like thinking about everything that you're doing even breathing is just like so when you're listening to people breathe in a room it's like it's so freaky you know (laughs) I know. Well, I hear it. I, when I hear a lot, I hear people breathing in my ear, in my headphones a lot, and that applies to your music. How? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a perfectly fine answer. No, I think it's good. It's it's one of those things where it's like this whole like idea of deep listening. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I love textures and I love. I think when people ask me how I make music, I don't really make music in this like. Uh, traditional compositional sense where I'm like working from left to right in a linear mm-hmm. sense I'm, I'm working vertically so when I'm creating the music I'm over time I'm, I'm I'm peeling back the layers or adding layers vertically not necessarily like this is the chorus this is the verse you know it's like mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like I don't even know what this is and even when we're rehearsing sometimes like like Andy or or, or or Jason we're trying to figure out what the timing is and I'm like in my mind while we're like trying to like figure out something really simple I'm like why did I make this weird <laughs> it, it could have just been normal so there's that's that part it doesn't have to be normal <laughs> it's okay to be weird uh the last song you're gonna play for us what is it it's called best for you and me and opal's gonna join us on piano and sing with us this is a lot of negro the new album is called phaser Quiet light pushing too far, it's all gone. Arms asleep, that's not home, it's what's wrong. And I go outside looking at the
What's best for you and 